Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. It's Drew here, back with Josh and Connor. We are all three back here talking about the wonderful world of MLS and soccer because it's been a very eventful I guess month of soccer really all over the place with Euros, Copa America. This feels like MLS really was taking a back seat to all the international soccer that was going on. And this was all after the Nations League final, which still I don't feel like happened very long ago because that was a wild game. But nonetheless, a lot of soccer going on. MLS returned this past weekend with a ton of games. A game going on right now as we speak, I think Orlando, San Jose. We're playing right now. Last time I checked, it was 3-0 Orlando. So a lot of MLS going on. We have games tomorrow as we're recording this on Tuesday and a game going on right now. A lot of sports going on, specifically basketball. We All three of us have a lot of reason to be happy with our basketball teams. I'm going to start with you, Josh, because holy crap, uh, the Hawks. I don't even know. How, how are you feeling about the Hawks? How how's the past couple weeks been treating you? Man, the Hawks, dude. The Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks. Um, they've been something special, man. I I found myself, uh, you know, after their Game 7 went over the Philadelphia 76ers on Sunday night, I, like, spent the first hour of my morning on Monday, like, watching Hawks highlights and reading about the game. And, like, I've just – I've never cared so much about basketball before. But the, the Hawks are an easy team to love. So I'm super excited. Uh, they, like, you know – I want to say they probably won't win the series against the Bucks, but like, it doesn't matter to me at this point. They have far surpassed expectations. They look so good, and they just oh, they're so resilient. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, like I mentioned last episode, I got a new job, so I've been uh, spending a lot of time working there. Um, been watching a lot of of the Euros in my off time. Uh, I've been playing uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. This is that Star Wars game that came out a couple years ago. My roommate has it, and so once I found that out, I started playing that. That game is has been interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. I guess it's just been Euros, work, and <laughs> Hawks basketball. Um, Connor, how have you been doing? You mentioned you're going to your cottage in a couple, uh, couple next couple weeks for vacation, much needed. Yeah, it's been an interesting couple weeks. Um, I will definitely probably not talk a lot on this episode, uh, but mostly because I haven't watched a sports game in three weeks. Uh, So I don't have much to comment on in terms of games and stuff. But yes, I'll be taking off to my cottage, hopefully, potentially. This is still in the works. 
uh, for like a week or so, um, which I'm looking forward to a break. But Raptors just got fourth overall, so I'm happy about that and everything that has to do with that. So we will see how that goes. We'll see where that goes. We'll see who the Raptors get. I'm excited, though. Um, But Drew, how are you doing? Yeah, doing good. Obviously, the Hawks are taking up most of my attention. Um, Yeah, that's been a wild ride. Happy to see Hawks basketball being exciting again. It hasn't felt like this in a really long time. Um, Yeah, work's going good. Obviously, with international break, things were pretty chill, but things not so much anymore with games happening all the time, and Nashville's about to go on their um, longest home stretch of the season. So I actually get to watch uh, Toronto tomorrow, Connor, so I'll be watching TFC play as they come to Nashville, so that should be exciting. And they played Montreal on Saturday, so they're getting this double week nonsense going in. So it's been pretty busy getting ready for those games. And yeah, like you guys said, uh, watching some Euros. Oh, yeah, um, what are your guys' like European teams? Like what Euro teams are you like pulling for? I prefer not to speak, considering my team got eliminated today. Who was it, though? I'm trying to... The Kilted Army. Oh, oh yeah, yes, the yes, yes. Oh, yeah, I can't believe I didn't know that. You love Scotland. Yes, I'm a Scottish. very, very Scottish. Don't even, Josh, <laughs> just don't even, don't even try it. I will cut you out of this podcast. <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a bummer. I was hoping they were going to beat Croatia, but uh, Luka Modric happened. Um, I, unlike, unlike Connor, I have no real connection to any of the European teams. My... Mom's side of the family is Russian, I know. Like, there's a lot of Russian involved, but also they're pretty much already knocked out, so I will take no ownership from them of them whatsoever. So, not a Russian national team fan. Um, I mean, this is a cop-out answer, but I've just been, like, wanting to see, like, good games. So, hopefully by the end, it's, like, you know, the best possible teams. Like, I'd be cool with, you know, Belgium or France or Portugal or Italy's looked awesome. Germany might be back. Like, you know, any of those teams, like... I just want to see really, really good tournament soccer. Who, who, who do you even cheer for, Drew? I think this might be kind of weird given the coaching situation, but I, I'm full on the Netherlands bandwagon <laughs> right now. I want to see them after what they didn't qualify for 2020 World Cup. I want, I want to see him do it. I want to see Frank De Boer win Euros just so we can make retirement league jokes about the Euros. Because this coach that couldn't get it done in MLS is now tearing it up in Europe. And Memphis Depay has been phenomenal. And yeah, he he official became he official joined Barca. So I'm full on the Dutch bandwagon. Are you guys watching Copa America at all, or what's the South American situation looking like? I haven't watched a sports game in two weeks. I will also say though, my second team because if you go really far back with my family, France. So ooh nice we got the top of the table and on we that got bandwagon. The very bottom of the table uh so i've jumped on that french bandwagon let's go with that but i haven't watched any of the copa what is it called again copa america copa america, copa america. there you go i there's too many copas there's copa libertadores copa sudamericana now copa americas well the good news is they're all connected because they're all cone of all uh, uh true so you, there's at least that there's there's a connection I haven't really been watching much of the Copa America, unfortunately. I did see uh, Atlanta United's Ronald Hernandez score for Venezuela, uh, like a stoppage time, second half, um, equalizing goal for a draw, which was ironic because Atlanta United conceded a stoppage time 
equalizing goal earlier in the day, and it would have been nice to be on the flip side, but Ronald Hernandez hasn't even played a minute in an Atlanta United shirt yet, but here he is scoring goals for Venezuela. That's fine, though. It's fine. But uh, other than that, I haven't been seeing much of it. I think as the tournament goes on and they start to um, narrow down the teams, uh, I might might tune in a little bit, but I've been watching so much of the Euros. I haven't really uh, given any of my attention to South America. Is Joseph there? So about that, he is. Unfortunately, Venezuelan national team, like half a team caught COVID, including him. Right. The good news is um, he, you know, he's been vaccinated for a few months now because the Atlanta United uh, players all took care of their shots back in like March. So I, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming that because he's been vaccinated, he didn't really, you know, get COVID that bad. He might've had like mild symptoms, hopefully. But uh, it's, you know, obviously with him being positive, they haven't even let him play. So he has not played yet. Hopefully he does get some minutes or else it's going to suck for Atlanta United having their best player gone for nothing. True. Drew, do you have a new mic? No. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I just got one of those stand thingies that keeps it like vertical, oh. not on my table. It's the same mic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully it sounds better. I guess the listeners will be able to tell by now if it sounds better. I can't or believe not. it took you that long to, to to notice that, Connor. Man, I have been so out of it the last three weeks or so. Like, yeah, it's. I I don't know how it took me that long to notice it. No, but uh, I swear his mic used to be silver, but whatever. Uh, let's dive in MLS because we're an MLS podcast and we spent eight minutes fifty seconds talking about random other crap basically there's not been a ton of news other than the games uh the only big story that sort of happened is houston dynamo and dash have been officially sold drew why don't you break us down or josh whoever put the notes in the dock why don't you break it down what does this mean for houston uh, what has happened as a result of the ownership takeover everything along those lines Yes, this is something we briefly discussed a few podcast episodes ago because that's when the news was uh, originally reported and now, obviously, as Connor said, it's been made official today. Um, You know, we talked about what kind of effect this will have on the Houston franchises. Now, the Dash, they've been doing fairly well um, in the NWSL. They just won the Challenge Cup last year. Uh, As Connor's pointed out numerous times, they've got a lot of young Canadian talent on the team. Uh, I wouldn't call them young, but sure, they do have Canadian talent. Okay, fair enough. Canadian (laughs) talent for sure. Um, The Dynamo, on the other hand, they have not made much noise in the last few years. Except Um, for this past weekend, but we'll get into that. (laughs) Uh, So that, you know, as a franchise and in a a soccer, um, soccer enriched city, I'll say, because there's lots of focus on soccer in Houston, um, the Dynamo as an organization haven't really been taking advantage of that. So I'm at least hoping that this new ownership with Ted Seagal is, you know, they just do a much better job of connecting with the community and attracting their community into the stadium. Now, the good news is they just added former Texans president and former Columbus crew GM, Jamie Roots, the CEO that was announced today. And I'd like to think that since he's had, a lot of experience in these last few years working for the Texans, 
um, also in Houston that therefore that'll translate into connecting with the community a lot more. But other than that, they also announced two uh, sort of player moves. One, they have given a three-year contract ex- extension to center back Tim Parker, who they traded for this offseason, um, got him from New York Red Bulls. He's also played for the Vancouver Whitecaps. And then they also signed 25-year-old center back Teenage Hadebe to a DP deal. Now, when I first saw this announcement, it just said center back Teenage Hadebe. So I was like, oh, it's a teenager. But no, it's just his name. <laughs> And he's actually 25 years old. So I thought that was funny. Also interesting that he's a designated player. We don't get a lot of uh, DP defenders. Right? It was Ali Adnan, Alan Franco with Atlanta. Um, Yari, what's his name on Seattle? Um, Javier Arriaga. Javier Arriaga. There you go. Which I don't know if he's a DP anymore. I think he's been bought down at this point, but he was initially DP. Um, Alias Druna. With Montreal, that's a DP defender. Um, what was I just about to say? I was going to say something stupid, but like a good kind of stupid. Sergio Ramos is next. No, I mean, maybe, but no. <laughs> um, that's a Spurs signing, by the way. That just screams Tottenham Spurs. Like, he's not going to do anything for them, but like, it's going to sound like a great signing. Dang it. I had. Let's talk about Tim Parker. Oh, and then if you want to count him, which technically we should, last year for Inter-Miami, Andres Reyes right. was a DP center back. That's where I was going with that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll say I'm super excited for Houston to be under new ownership. Like I said, it just seems like this is a city in an area that like hasn't been taken advantage of in terms of what it can bring to MLS and with its, um, with its soccer background. So hopefully it leads to a much more competitive franchise and a much more um, relevant franchise in their own city. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Houston is a very soccer-rich culture and city, and the Dash tore it up in the Challenge Cup, so that's really exciting, exciting times in Houston. I'm with the rebrand. I think most people are pretty receptive of that rebrand. And, yeah, I think trying to make that city as relevant as possible because things aren't going too good in Houston sports right now. So they have a pretty solid time to capitalize on uh, that. Hey, they just got the second overall pick, so there's that. That's cool. <laughs> so the Rockets got the second overall pick. That, you know that's that bad when the best thing happening in your sports, in your city, is that you won you won the draft lottery. So things are going too I well in Houston. I need you to be quiet here for a second because... You, you guys won a championship two years ago. Toronto yes. is not that, not as Houston level. The only title Houston ha- is, has recently has that massive asterisk on it with the Astros. True. So Toronto and Atlanta are not good, but they're not Houston bad. Um, You're in the conference finals. You're good. Yeah. That's hey, good by point. the way, Drew, how nice is it to just not care about the lottery? I know. I can't believe it was today. I saw uh, some writers talking about it. I was like, I don't care about this. This is wonderful. I, yeah, I was like, whoa the lotteries today okay it's nice like now i don't have to stress over which where the freaking ping pong ball is gonna land yeah hey i haven't had to deal with this with the raptors for five six years so i will take one year where we go top four uh but again we've got another basketball let's get back to soccer (laughs) yeah now we have to deal with the seven foot Giannis so that's wonderful but speaking of rebrands a really awesome rebrand or a rebrand of a rebrand that I think got leaked I'm not sure if it's official but the Chicago Fire a new logo it's official okay sick 
they rebranded from the rebrand and it's phenomenal i don't know if you guys like it i just see the text in all caps so i assume we're all fans of this but i think it's awesome it's very chicago-y it kind of looks like they just got the chicago red stars and said hey do what you did and give it to us and they knocked it out of the park so i'm a big fan of it i think chicago is a really cool city that city flag with the light blue and the red and the stars is awesome and the rebrand kind of tries to connect the club with Chicago. So I'm a big fan of it. Um, I really like the original logo, but this is pretty solid as well. I think we've all seen the logo. What do you guys think of it? Josh, do you like the rebrand? It's coming off a pretty, a rebrand that wasn't very well accepted, but what do you think about Chicago Fire um, making this switch? This is what the original rebrand, rebrand should have been because like Drew was alluding to, this kind of combines sort of the aesthetic of the Chicago Red Stars, which is the NWSL team, along with the old Fireman's, um, I can't remember what it's called, I'll just call it Fireman's Crest, Fireman's logo, um, that was the original Chicago Fire Crest. This just looks like a modernized version of it, right? This looks like a new era of the club as opposed to like an, an entire rebrand, which is why I think... The Houston Dynamo rebrand, if that's what you want to call it, has been generally accepted because one, the team didn't change the name and two, the new logo looks cool and it looks, in my opinion, better than the Dynamo's old crest. And so I think it's, I, I'm not necessarily willing to say that this new crest looks better than the Chicago Fire's original crest, but this is what it should have been when they did the original rebrand. I also think this is just a, a lesson for clubs out there that this is what happens when you get your fans involved. You get a cool crest that makes the majority of, of people and media happy. And it's like, why didn't you go this route in the first place? So I will also say I saw some Columbus fans who were pointing out that they now have the worst crest in the league. So sucks for them, I guess. But you also just won an MLS Cup. So I, I maybe maybe that's an incorrect opinion, but I agree with those Columbus fans. I think that's the worst crest in the league now. I'm torn on the Chicago crest i think it's a little too basic for me personally and i don't love the baby blue red combo i don't know i'm just i have terrible fashion sense and design eye so uh don't take anything i say seriously but i don't love it i think it could be a little bit better i also don't hate it though i think it's just sort of neutral and that sort of fits what chicago are neutral in terms of mls teams any other thoughts on... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, how would you compare it to the rebranded crest, the fire crown, as they called it? It's better. I think anything would have been better than that crest, <laughs> if we're being completely honest. What if it was just a blue and red trash can? Still better. <laughs> Still better. Actually, I guess the trash can should be the Astros new crest, new logo, whatever. <laughs> We need to stop trashing the Astros. Unintended. That was a good one, Connor. That was a good one, Connor. I see what you did there. Trashing the Astros. Uh, Do we have anything else we want to say to the Chicago Fire rebrand, rebrand, which will probably in five years turn into another rebrand? Let's hope not. I was going to say, I really hope not. If we're following the last trends, it's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Aren't they actually, aren't the, is it Chicago? Or maybe it's Buffalo Bills. Somebody's building a new stadium in the NFL. 
It's uh, Chicago. They just Chicago. They're like starting to. Um, the Bears are wanting to move out of uh, Soldier Field and get their own stadium. So who knows? Which, maybe the fire will get Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. Could leave uh, Chicago to have that, which would be really, really, really good. Uh, although I don't think many people would show up to watch that trash team. But uh, let's get into some games. Or actually, before we do that, quick word from our advertisers. All right. Uh, let's dive into some games and things and storylines from this weekend. Uh, because some things happened. We're not going to get into TFC because I didn't watch the game. So sorry for that. Uh, but we will dive into Drew's third favorite team to begin with. I is love how third? this is like a thing with the podcast, which where does each team fall on my spectrum of fandom? We always yeah. have to talk about one of them. Of course we do. Well, there's so many of them. We don't really have a choice at this point. Yeah, when you're a fan of half the league, we are inevitably going to talk about your favorite teams. I think it's, it's at four. Is it four now? I yes, guess it's, four. it's at least four. It's at least four. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you next week if it's grown or not. If someone tweets at Josh again, it'll grow. That's my only, <laughs> that's my only criteria. So Josh, keep tweeting out takes about soccer teams, so I buy their jerseys. Well, your third or fourth favorite team beat NYCFC uh, off the back of an unbelievable performance from Matt Turner. Made seven saves, which is insane. He won Team of the Week honors this week, which we'll get into later. Uh, Gustavo Bo, John Bell, and Tommy McNamara scored for New England with Tiago Andrada and Ismail Tajuri Shradi scoring for NYCFC. Just nailed those. I'm very impressed with myself. Uh, but could this be a potential playoff preview? Because both teams are likely going to finish mid-ish table or in spots where they could end up facing each other. Do you think this could be a, a playoff preview of potentially the first round? I think it is 100% going to be a playoff preview. I don't know about first round because I think I have both these teams finishing relatively high in the standings. I think right now, I know New England is clear-cut. Okay, ooh, man, so New England is first, and New York City is seventh. And if I'm remembering correctly, the first seed gets a bye, I think. First round yes. bye, and then two will play seven. Okay, cool. So I think I had, I, I might have had New England finishing atop the East. I had New England finishing one or two, something like that. I don't You didn't think... have them top, because that would be Columbus. Ah, dang. Which oh, I we wish all I did. instantly regret it. Although they're yeah, getting. Only an idiot would have voted against Columbus. Yeah. They're getting Everybody's Kevin Molino an idiot. back. They're really? fourth. Yeah. They have a game um, in hand. Oh, oh, a win, though, puts them in third. If they win, they will jump Philadelphia. Not bad. What were your thoughts on the New England game, though? Yeah, so um, first off, yeah, Matt Turner. Came up huge. I don't even... I looked at the expected goals, and I think New York City was supposed to win this game like 4-1. to one. Um, Josh is like shaking his head. I think we're all tired of expected goals in the MLS world, but it's a stat, and we're going to use it. Dang it. Um, so yeah, Matt Turner came up huge, made some really big saves. Toward the end, New York City looked like they were going to tie it up. But yeah, I mean, New England... I think getting Gustavo Bo scoring a goal is huge because it feels like every time we talk about the Revs, we're always talking about Carly's heel. And understandably so. I mean, he's been dominant from the beginning. 
Um, but we always kind of forget about Gustavo Bo. I think him and is Adam Buxa are the other two DPs on that team. Um, but it kind of feels like it's just Carly Seal running the DP show. To see, to see him score a goal um, is really big. And, yeah, I mean, I think this is for sure a playoff preview. I'm not going to – I think these teams are too good to say it's a first-round playoff matchup because I think they'll finish both pretty high in the standings. Um, but maybe a second round, maybe even an Eastern Conference final preview. But I think these two teams will meet in the playoffs. I don't know if I'm going to say – First round uh, matchup, just because I think they'll finish pretty high in the standings, and this will be a really big deal when they meet up again in the playoffs. Josh, your beloved Revs tearing it up. Do you think they'll play each other in the playoffs again, or what What do you think about New England beating NYCFC? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think they could see each other in the playoffs. Um, obviously, New England, you know, they're at the top of the standings right now, and they're, what is it, five points clear, I think. So they're they're doing very well so far to start the season and you you said drew that new york city fc is in seventh and i think that's a little deceiving because in this game against new england right matt turner like just blew new york out of the water and so they lost and then in the game before the break it was lucas Rayon who blew new york city out of the water so i think they've gotten a little unlucky in that they've run into like these two um as matt doyle put it supernova stars um, and back-to-back weeks, so that's not exactly helping things. But I think eventually, and sooner rather than later, they're going to start to win more of their games than not, and we'll see them sort of climb back up towards the top of the standings. So I, I'm definitely expecting New England and New York City FC to sort of meet again in the playoffs. Also kind of funny, but I'm looking at their their standings, and New York City are 1-2-1 two, and one at home. So they've got a win, two losses, and a draw. And that's really odd because typically when they play at home, especially at Yankee Stadium, they have an inherent advantage in that they're used to playing on a youth-sized field, whereas the rest of MLS is not used to playing on a youth-sized field, on a baseball field, on a baseball stadium. So I think New York City is going to rack up a little more home wins. Now, they are playing a few games at Red Bull Arena because they host Atlanta United tomorrow night at Red Bull Arena. So I don't know if that's going to help them or anything, but I'd like to think that those Yankee Stadium games are uh, are definitely going to help them. But yeah, I mean New England's good. We've we've said it all season long so far. Um it is still early because they still have to play another 25 games, but I am starting to feel bad about saying they're not a top 3 team. Uh, the regret is starting to set in just a little bit. So congrats, Revs fans and the New England Revolution Twitter account. You have uh, kind of proved me wrong. We'll see. We'll see. There's still Who a lot of soccer Who could have seen this coming playing. except for everybody? No, 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 no. I'm not willing to give up on it yet. We still got time. Like I said, there's still 25 games left. We're going to start getting into these crappy double week uh, or double game weeks. Injuries could set in. You never know what could happen, but... Uh, yeah, I am starting to eat my words just a little bit. I'm starting to take nibbles. Uh, but moving on into some other Eastern Conference action, DC United and Inter Miami played again this weekend. Just before the break, they played, and uh, DC United won in Miami before the break. This time, DC hosted Miami. They came away with the win again, one nothing. The biggest story, though, I think, was once again the Miami side of things. Uh, they had two red cards in this game. One was a double yellow. The other was a straight red for, I believe it was Ryan Shawcross. Um, and then also Gonzalo Higuain made a little bit of news during the international break because um, 
He said he was, quote, expecting to play in MLS with a cigarette in his mouth, end quote, um, which he got a little bit of a uh, little crap for it on Twitter and other social media because his brother has been playing in MLS for years, so I don't know what he was expecting. Um, but he did not play in this game because he stayed behind to, quote, work on his fitness. My question to you guys, and I'll start with Connor real quick. Can Miami overcome this awful start of the season? I mean, they are. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Miami are in the mud between all these sanctions and just the team is in disarray. Can they come back from this? Well, the simple answer is no. Uh, the more complicated answer is it's going to take a lot to come back from this. And it starts with getting rid of your old guys, which they're now adding Karen Gibbs in two weeks. So that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, I think the Gonzalo Higuain thing either shows that he massively underrated MLS or that he's a terrible relationship with his brother. Um, I'm going to go with the first one, but we can't rule out the second one. So honestly, I don't know. I think they're sort of done for the next three years with the penalties they're facing next year and the year after that, having no TAM. Um, but Again, until Messi arrives. Yeah, until Messi arrives, which somehow is going to happen, and it's going to be <laughs> unbelievable to watch him play with a bunch of crappers. Um, but I don't know. I think is my best answer to that. I honestly don't know. The players that they have start to have to start to take MLS seriously, and if they don't, they're in a world of hurt. Drew, what do you think? Can Miami come back from this just brutally terrible start to the season yeah i'm on the same boat as you and i think a lot of people i don't think they can um if you look at the standings they're currently 11th with eight points and they have played nine games and if you look back kind of at the history of mls and just looking at the teams that make the playoffs it kind of feels like around that 50 ish point range is what you need to be that final playoff spot. You know, some teams make it with you know, 51, some years they make it with 48, but it's kind of around that 50 mark. And so they would need 42 points. And I think, is this a normal, is there 34 games in the schedule? Something like that? Okay, cool. So I did the math right. And they would need 1.67 points per game to get that 50 line. And again, 50 is kind of Assuming no one, assuming this is a not an abnormal year, which is Major League Soccer, it can be abnormal whenever it wants to. So they need about 1.67 points a game to hit that 50 line. And right now, they're not even getting a point a game, right? Nine games played, eight points. They're a little under a point a game. So they're going to have to turn some things around, whether they can or cannot. I don't know. It doesn't help when your best player um, best player, I'm not sure if you can even say Miami does have a best player right now, but when Higuain is saying all this and you have sanctions all around your head and just craziness is going on and you have to turn it around on the field as well under a new manager with Phil Neville. So I'm going to say no just because there are a lot of distractions and a lot of obstacles they're going to have to overcome to turn it around because if they continue the way they're going, they're not even making anywhere close to the playoffs. So they have to turn things around and fast. Because the more and more they lose, more and more they drop points, that 1.67 turns into 2 points a game and 2.5 points a game. And you have to just start winning every game and hoping for the best. And this is soccer. You're not going to win every game. You're going to drop points. So I don't think they will. 
Um, it's a wild time. I think when you said three years, that kind of sounds crazy. But honestly, when you think about it, with all the sanctions, it just that sounds more realistic. I think the more I think about it, so I don't think so. Um, it's a lot to overcome and a lot of things kind of in the way of them doing it. Josh, do you have hope for Inter Miami or what are you thinking? What should they be expecting out of the season? Can they turn this around from right now? I mean, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you guys. You know, I, I don't expect them to. I don't think they can. Um, I, I don't know. It's just really, really disappointing I'm especially disappointed with Gonzalo Higuain. I mean, why why do you have to stay behind to work on your fitness? That doesn't make any sense to me. You've you've had three weeks off from playing. Like, what were you doing in those three weeks? And why treating them as three weeks off? I mean, you can treat the weeks off, but like at the same time, you're a professional and you know. Oh wait, I've got to be back in three weeks. Then like it just. I feel like there, especially for a veteran, right? He's figured out how to balance breaks in his life with staying fit. Um, so, like you said, Connor, I mean, at this point, just get rid of these dudes. They're not contributing to this team, and I think at this point, it's somewhat safe to say that this is—it's bleeding into the rest of the team, and it's like this toxic, just culture of losing right now in Miami. And Phil Neville was brought in to fix that. And at this point, I'm not sure if like even he can save them, uh, which sucks honestly because the league needs Miami to be good. It's a it's a prime uh, market in this country, and it just feels like in the long term it could end up doing more damage to the league. Uh, and in who knows, maybe maybe even Messi won't be able to save them. Although it's Messi, so he could probably do anything uh, in a couple of years. <laughs> Should really take that back very quickly. Look, all I'm saying is I'm just like hoping he makes it into the league so that, you know, Miami will travel to Atlanta and they'll open up the entire stadium and I'll get to witness watching Lionel Messi play with my own eyes. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, speaking of Messi, the MLS Messi from two years ago when he won MVP, Carlos Vela. Good transition. Good work. Good work, Josh. I was confused where you're going with that. Yeah. I he, thought he uh, was going to make some Rossi joke because he, they have similar flags to Argentina. Whoa. No, 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 no. If I was going to waste my breath on Diego Rossi, I'd talk about how overrated he is. Um, but <sighs> I don't have the energy for this. Just go. Hey, I'm just saying dude had four or five shots inside the box on Saturday. Didn't score a single one. And instead, LAFC ended up drawing against Houston, which is where we're going with this. This is probably the, the big news, and this is what Connor was alluding to earlier when we were talking about Houston. Um, first off, I just want to point out this is extremely strange because LAFC and Houston already played this year, and they also had a 1-1 draw. So I think it's a little weird that we got that same result, even though it's only been about a month. Uh, but yeah, what's what's wrong with LAFC? I feel like we've tackled this question a couple times. I'll give my two cents, and I don't remember if this was the same reasoning I gave last time, but at this point I'm just convinced that the squad has not been refreshed enough, has not been turned over enough, and we're just seeing a team get stagnant and complacent with what they're doing. Again, I'm not willing to freak out about them yet. They still have the whole season to f sort of figure this out. And with the talent they have and the coaching they have from Bob Bradley, they can go on a run at any minute. But Drew, how how would you go about fixing LAFC and trying to get the best out of this team? 
Yeah, I think... So going back to your Diego Rossi take, I think this was the game that that take kind of made a lot of sense because just watching the highlights, I didn't get to watch the game, but watching the highlights, it looked like the old LAFC in the first 10-ish minutes. They had some good moves, and I think Rossi had like two chances that were, I think he just missed one and one hit the post, and then he had other chances before, and so did a lot of other players on LAFC. So watching the highlights, it looked like there were moments of the old LAFC returning and that it was fun to watch. It was good soccer. The ball was bouncing around. Guys were getting good spots, but they couldn't finish it. And eventually Houston didn't have a whole lot of chances, but when they do, did, and both these goals came in the second half, Houston, I think, kind of turned it on in the second half. Um, but yeah, LAFC only scored one after a lot of chances, and then Houston made him pay for it, got a goal pretty soon, I think, of their own to tie it up. Um so LFC, I'm not too worried about them just because they have the talent to make a run, like you mentioned. Um, but I mean, this just feels like, I mean, at some point you have to start winning. I mean, it was at home against a team that I think you could say most teams, if not every team in MLS. LAFC, if you're playing pure talent, LAFC is probably the better side. Um, but eventually, I mean, you're going to start dropping points and they're kind of in the same boat as Miami is, right? I mean, they have... I think nine points out of nine points out of eight games. So they're a little better than Miami as far as points go. And I think again the talent kinda helps that you feel a little bit better because again a light switch comes on and the team turns it on again like normal. But I'm starting to get a little worried about them just because they weren't finishing. And I mean we've talked a lot about how this team could win MLS Cup if they just, you know, get in the playoffs, get hot at the right time and see what happens. But I mean for a performance like this, I mean you have to finish your chances because when you're in the playoffs, good teams are going to make you pay for it, and Houston did. Um, and credit to Houston as well. I mean, they've been kind of a surprise story here. They're currently sitting in seventh. They went to Los Angeles and got a draw. Um, so I'm starting to worry a little about LAFC because this was not a – I mean, if this performance happens in the playoffs, they could be knocked out again. And then after all this expectation they have, I don't think they're going to win the Supporter Shield Open Cup. They could be – ending the season without any trophies. So they're going to have to turn it on eventually because it's not looking good right now. So just looking ahead at LAFC's upcoming schedule, they've got four games in the next 14 days, in the next two weeks, at home against Dallas, and then three games on a road, in a row, against Sporting Kansas City, against RSL, and then against Austin. My question to you, Connor, is, especially since Drew just drew the comparison, ha, between Miami and LAFC talking about how they both are going to need about 42 points the rest of the way which is kind of a tall ask in MLS over this next four game stretch how many points does LAFC have to get for you Connor to save their season four games 12 points I think at this point it's you have to win as many games as you possibly can and I think of all teams who could do it uh, LAFC are the ones to. I think the Vail injury at the start of the season hurt them a lot. Um, but I'd go 12 points. I think they need to win as many of these games as possible. If they get nine, I guess that's manageable, but I'd want 12 personally. Drew, what about you? Uh, I just want to point out that out of those four games, only one of them is at home. Uh, the next game against Dallas, which is Wednesday the rest, they go to Sporting Kansas City. I'm given it. I don't think they're going to win that game. To RSL and to Austin. So I think I'm going to say they get... I'll say they get six points. I think they'll be Dallas and Austin. 
I'm going to say six or seven. I don't think they're going to get a result at Sporting at Children's Mercy Park against a really good SKC team. Um, but they have to win. They have to beat Dallas, right? You're at home against a side that's not doing – that's currently last in the West. And this is – you have to beat Dallas. Um, so I think to save their season, I'm going to say seven. Seven points, I think, out of this four-game stretch. Uh, would it give me a feeling a little better? But, again, I mean, you're asking – Trying to get results on the road is not easy in MLS, especially one of them is an R, is an RSL, and we talk about altitude every time that team comes up, and you're playing at Rio Tinto. Um, so yeah, a really tough stretch for LAFC. Josh, out of these four games, how many points do you think they need to make you feel a little bit better at LAFC and get their season back on track? I, I think they need at least seven points. I think. That's like the bare minimum. Two wins, a draw, and a loss is is the least amount of points LAFC can get to still survive in their season. Um, I think Connor's pretty spot on in saying that they really should be trying to win all four of these games, which I don't think anybody's saying they're not trying to. Um, but those four games, you know, probably three wins um, would be at least keeping them somewhat safe. But yeah. Just like, Drew, you were saying with Miami, I mean, LAFC is getting dangerously close to not being able to overcome this slow of a start to the season. And it's just, it is strange right now to be looking at the Western Conference standings and to see them in ninth, and they're behind San Jose and Houston and RSL. And, you know, those teams haven't been awful or anything this year, but, like, we expect so much more of a team and club like LAFC. Uh, Let's jump across the city, talk about their... Uh, El Trafico counterparts, LA Galaxy, just took on Seattle Sounders in Seattle. Seattle won 2-1. Um, someone put in the document here, does this match set the record straight of who's the best in the West? Or are we still too premature to judge LA? I'm going to give my quick thoughts on it. I still think it's a little early to, to be making full judgments on the Galaxy. I will say, having read about this match and just based on the scoreline alone, they handled this game so much better than the first time they went up to Seattle earlier this year, I think in week two or three, when they got beat pretty bad. And I think that's a combination of two things. I think, one, Seattle is starting to get found out just a little bit by opposing teams. Uh, We saw Atlanta United come to Seattle and steal a point uh, a couple weeks ago before the break. And then whoever they played the following week, I think they also dropped points against at home. So... Good bounce back one for Seattle, but I think we're starting to see some chinks in the armor. As for the LA Galaxy, um, again, I, I still think it's a little too early. I think we're finally starting to see the effects of a culture change by Greg Vanny, and obviously it's it's making the team a lot stronger, but they still have a ways to go. Connor asked the LA question, is it still too premature to judge LA Galaxy? Do you think there's anything you can take away from this 2-1 loss against Seattle? I think it is still too premature simply because I think come the second half of the season, they're going to have a tough time um, because I don't think their roster is built for the compactness of this season. But I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. So who knows? Um, LA are obviously a very good team. Greg Vanny, very, very good manager. So maybe this... It's who they are, a team that can be competitive in the West, but isn't the best. Um, who knows, though? A lot can change over the next few weeks, depending on injuries, etc. Drew, I'll pass this question off to you. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I think right now Seattle is the best team in the league. The only unbeaten team left, unfortunately, when Nashville lost to Red Bulls over the past weekend. So, yeah, I mean, six wins, three draws. And like you said, Josh, I'm a draw. Last time out before the international break, and it kind of looked like we were seeing the beginning of the end for Seattle, but beating the Galaxy um, kind of turned that around. But yeah, I think the Galaxy, it kind of feels like we're they're getting overshadowed by this incredible Seattle start because the LA Galaxy were not very good last year, and now they're in fourth, and they are currently only two points behind SKC for that second spot, and SKC has two games in hand, and they're currently sitting behind Seattle, Kansas City, and Colorado. And they're in that fourth place spot. So a win and a Colorado loss, and they're right up there at second after a really bad 2020. So the Galaxy, I think, are not going to be the best team in the West. I'm pretty confident saying Seattle is the best team in the West, whether or not they keep that up. Like you guys said, there's a lot that can happen. And Seattle fans know better than anybody. Um, A lot can change. Usually they're on the better side of that with a slow start to the season. They get hot in the summer, and they peak right at MLS Cup. Um, but maybe there's potential that this is a little backwards. They start off strong, get a little slow in the summer, and then they just kind of falter out of the playoffs. So Seattle fans know that a lot can change and that it's just about getting hot at the right time and winning points when you can get there. So I think L.A. is a really good team. Um, I think they're being overshadowed a little bit by the strong Seattle start. But I, Seattle, man, they're just they're so good. And... Whether or not they keep this up throughout the crazy summer is a different question, but it's it's looking like there's a clear number one best team in the league. I think it's Seattle. Josh, what do you think about LA Galaxy? You think we're still a little early to judge them because, again, I mean, they're right there knocking out the door for that first place spot. A couple Seattle missteps and some Galaxy capitalizing. If Chicharito stays hot, who the heck knows what's going to happen? Um yeah, what do you think about Seattle? Clear-cut favorites? you think the Galaxy have the potential to eventually get up to that first-place spot in the Western Conference? Yeah, like I said, a little, little early, I think, for LA Galaxy. Um, but we're already starting to see those positive effects from Vanny. As for Seattle being a favorite, I still think they are the favorite. I don't know if it's as clear-cut as it was you know, a month and a half ago when they were just destroying every single team they came across. Uh, like I said, I think Seattle's slowing down just a little bit, but they're probably going to pick up that player in the summer window. And so I would still consider them, you know, the favorites. Uh, as far as, like, winning Supporter Shield goes, I think they will probably end up doing that. I think it's too early to say anything about MLS Cup because it's MLS Cup and it's a playoff format and anything can happen and that sort of thing as we're seeing with the Atlanta Hawks. So you never know. Um, moving on, though, a couple important returns for some players who were either on loan or injured. Daryl DK is back. We talked about him a couple weeks ago on the podcast about whether or not he would play and see the field for Orlando. He did. He uh, came off the bench in Orlando's 3-2 win over Toronto, and then he started in tonight's game against San Jose and scored. So he is definitely back. And then Sebastian Blanco also made his return to the Portland, um, to the squad, I guess I'll say, coming off the bench in Portland's 2-1 win over Sporting Kansas City. Um, Drew, I'll start with you. What do you make of Daryl DK coming back into Orlando? And do you think he's going to be around for long? I don't think he'll be around for long. Uh, I kind of hope he is because they come to Nashville in August, and I really want to see this guy play. So I hope he is. Selfishly, I hope he is. I want to see this guy play before, but I don't think he will be. Um, it's an interesting 
talk about how to handle him. I know we mentioned possibly sitting him because you want to avoid injuries and trying to get that transfer through. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to see him much longer. Hopefully he keeps this up. And I don't see why there's no reason that he won't keep this up. Obviously, San Jose is San Jose, and it feels like when you play them, you're either going to win by 50 or you're going to lose by 50. Um, and pretty bad defending on that goal. But, yeah, I think that's exciting. Um, hopefully he'll continue to tear it up MLS and kind of tap off some suitors here. Josh is waving his hand at me. I'm really scared. The literal moment you said really bad defending on that goal, Drew, uh, San Jose had really horrible defending, and Daryl DK just scored a header to make it 4 nothing for Orlando. So, so that's Daryl DK's second goal. Yep, it's the second goal of the game. I mean, just horrible set-piece defending, and DK had such a wide-open header. So that was like stars aligning. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, the pod, the MLS Multiplex podcast where stars align. But yes, um, <laughs> I'm currently watching the Suns and the Clippers, so I thought you were going to talk about Devin Booker. But anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, we're it's exciting to see. I hope he stays around longer. I don't think he will. As far as Sebastian Blanco goes, I'm really freaking excited about that because I picked Portland. I don't want to spoil whatever. Portland's going to be really good, and this is kind of his revenge tour. And I'm so excited about that. Portland's going to be awesome. And... To see him do it against a really good sporting team. I don't know if it was at the road or not, but they're currently in fifth and to be the second place team in the West um, with one of their their star guys, right? Their guys come off the bench that they've missed for so long. I'm super excited about that. Uh, Connor, what do you think? We've talked a lot about Daryl DK. You think he's going to stick around any longer? And what do you think about uh, Sebastian Blanco? You think this helps Portland's chances of winning MLS Cup at all? I think DK will be a winter transfer. I don't think it's a summer transfer. Um... I'm maybe I'll be wrong again, uh, but I think Orlando will try to keep him to try to win MLS Cup and really push for it because his value will only go up if they win. Um, with Blanco, anytime you get a DP back, it's good, and I think that's the bottom line. Um, so obviously he's going to help them a lot. He's going to really improve their chances of going deep and having a really successful season. So getting him back from his injury is massive, as always. Let's wrap up, though, with your guys' team, Atlanta, Atlanta United, Drew to Philadelphia. Second game in a row, blowing a 2-0 lead, though. In the final it's, 10 minutes of the game. And it's never happened before the Nashville game. Obviously, now happened twice in a row. What's going wrong with Atlanta United, and why are they blowing leads like this so late? I I, I don't know. I've been trying to wrap my mind around this, and I just don't. I just don't get it because they looked so good in the first eighty minutes of both games, and like so much better than they have all season up to that point too, to where it felt like man, this is a confident team. Like it feels like we're finally like seeing the results of having a manager like Gabriel Heinze, you know, someone who could change the culture around a little bit and bring out the best in the players. And we were finally getting that. And then all of a sudden it's like they shut down in the final 10 minutes. Now, when you've got Jakob Glesnes like hitting thunderbolts from 30 yards out to where the ball hits the crossbar three times and doesn't even touch the net. I mean, I don't know, you know, you can't stop something like that, but like the play before or the goal before, I should say, uh, Jake Mulraney was at fault on that. Brad Gazan was at fault for letting the ball spill out. We all know how much Connor loves to see Brad Gazan fail. It's terrible. Uh, so, 
<laughs> he was terrible on the goal on the on the first goal for sure. So I don't, I just don't know. I mean, even in the Nashville game, like I said, I was there and it felt great for 80 minutes, and then like the fans kind of backed off from helping the team. It felt like, and then Nashville took advantage. Um, I will say I'm not really that worried about Atlanta. I'm just not. I really like what I'm seeing overall. And again, if you look back in the last 180 minutes, 160 of those 180 minutes, excellent. Atlanta is in control. I mean, the fact that they were scoring set piece goals was making my head spin with like joy. I just could not believe Atlanta United was scoring set piece goals. So just unfortunate that it, but again, it's something that can get ironed out. Drew, are you at all worried about Atlanta United? Like Connor said, this has never happened in Atlanta United's history. Now it's happened twice in a row. Yeah, I think I'm not too worried about it, I guess. I'm just annoyed um, because, and two, I'll, I'll defend Brad Guzan here for a second. I mean, I don't know if you were at that game, Josh, or not, but I mean, it, he came up with some huge saves, I think, really in both games that kind of was the only reason Atlanta had a 2-0 lead to blow. But then, like you said, that was kind of bad on that first Philadelphia goal. But it was just frustrating. And given that LA United scored one goal, because um, Casper Shabilko, I think, scored an own goal. And then um, Anton Walks got the other off a set piece. Yeah. So it's just frustrating that, you know, going to that Philadelphia game, we know about Glesnitz. He's done this before. I think it was that free kick banger against LAFC, if I'm not mistaken. So everyone in the league knows that the guy has a cannon for a right leg. And the goal before Glesnitz tied it up, um, I don't remember who shot it and who scored, but someone from Philadelphia, again, took a shot from way outside. Uh, I think it took a really small deflection. Uh, Brad Guzan should have comfortably caught it, saved it, got out of there, but he spilt it a little bit, and so Philadelphia player was there to tap it in. So I think, I mean, it was just frustrating that Elena knows that Glesnitz can do that. We've seen him pull out this kind of thing before, and you just surrendered a goal off a player doing, like, the exact same thing, taking a shot from way outside. Now that player didn't score, but the guy shooting from way outside the box created an opportunity to get that first goal. So there's a player you know can take a rip from out there. You just conceded a goal from way out there. And I don't understand why. It just didn't look like anyone was trying to close Glesnitz down at all. And again, I mean, the strike was phenomenal. You kind of take your odds on that, but he hit the post. And there's nothing Guzan could have done about that. So it was just frustrating that, I mean, if there's one player that I think the whole league knows on Philadelphia that can pull something out like that, it's Jacob it's Glesnitz. And to not close him down in that situation is pretty frustrating. Um, not too concerned, though. I mean, the fact that they're scoring goals is encouraging, and they're not losing games is encouraging. But, I mean, you got to start winning eventually. So I'm not worried about it. I'm just frustrated and annoyed. Hopefully this turns around um, because, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of excitement in Atlanta. I think when Atlanta got up 2-0 on Nashville, the vibe was like, okay, things are starting to click now. Um, it was kind of frustrating. I think people were mad that it's uh, starting to click right before the international break at that point. But, um, yeah, so it was just frustrating. But, yeah, Atlanta drawing 2-2 to Philadelphia, um, blowing a 2-0 lead for the second time in a row. Feels like we've seen Atlanta teams blowing leads before, but we won't talk about that at all. Um, but, yeah, Jakob Glesnitz was a pretty phenomenal banger, so that's going to take us into our goal of the week. Josh, we had some bangers to go with. Who won your goal of the week for this past week? 
There is really only one goal deserving of this because of how awesome it was, but I was late to the dock and didn't get to pick it. But as a, as a sort of consolation, consolation prize. No, you take it. You take it. Uh, I'll take yours. Oh, you're going to let me take yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you take it. I'm, I'll go with All yours. Right. <laughs> I am taking Connor's goal of the week, which should be everybody's goal of the week. It's Jakob Glesnes. Fabio's. Oh, never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, no, ya- Jakob Lesnis, man, uh, like Drew said, he's done that before, but that was like a dead ball free kick. So for him to then do this uh, basically from the same yardage out, um, man, he just, that ball stays hit, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how he does it. He has a freaking rocket ship for a leg, I guess. Uh, just launch that ball into outer space, basically. Um but through the net. So, yeah, Jakob Glesnes, not more that you can say. Drew, what was your goal of the week? My goal of the week, man, this paid me to, to type it, but like we said, uh, Connor, Connor beat us to it. Um, but I went with Fabio's goal against Nashville. It was pretty phenomenal. He kind of hit it with the inside of his boot, I think. I get the inside and the outside confused, but he hit it with the inside, kind of curved it, hit the post, and there was nothing old Joe Willis could do about it. And that was the first goal. And I was at a watch party watching the game, and the whole vibe was like, oh, crap. But kind of have to tip your cap. Fabio on that one, that was the first goal in the second. The first of New York's two goals against Nashville. SC in that 2-0 win that the Red Bulls had. Um, that was our goal of the week. Hey, I'm back. I'm back. And as I'm always. Back. Sorry. Oh, Connor's back. Oh, what's your goal of the week going to be since Josh... Josh took it, but what what was your goal of the week, Connor? Well, my recording crashed, so hopefully I can recover the uh, other file. Um, but I will go with what Josh's was, which is Gustavo Bowes. Uh, volley thing uh, that I don't know how he got that on target because he was facing the halfway line, or not halfway line, the sideline, and somehow hit it with the side of his foot, but front of his foot it was a Really weird strike. Should have been saved, but we'll brush by that. Um, just a really good goal from Gust- Gustavo Bo. What about players of the week? Because you two have the same players of the week. Um, but I guess, Josh, you have your secondary players. I'll so. list my backup. Yeah. yeah. Why don't Drew go first, then we'll do Josh, then me. Yeah, I went with Matt Turner for obvious reasons. He made some pretty... Phenomenal games against NYCFC to help New England get that 3-2 win. To help New England get the 3-2 win over NYCFC in a pretty big one. So I went with Matt Turner. Josh also went with Matt Turner, but like we said, he's got his secondary player. So Josh, who is your player of the week besides Matt Turner? Yeah, my uh, backup player for that, my my B option, I guess, was Jossie Zardes of Columbus Crew. He scored a brace in their 2-0 win. It was the final... Um, Columbus Crew game at Historic Columbus Crew Stadium. They opened their new stadium in, I guess, just a couple of weeks in July at some point. Um, so really, it didn't get a lot of um, didn't get a lot of attention, and we didn't even talk about it. But they finished with a dose of Cero in their final uh, Columbus game, so it's kind of fitting. It was against Chicago Fire, so it doesn't take much to beat the Chicago Fire, but. Uh, yeah, just really good from Zardes. I'm looking forward to seeing both him and Matt Turner with the U.S. national team at the Gold Cup this summer. I think they'll both be able to bring a lot to the team um, and hopefully get the U.S. another trophy. Connor, who's your player of the week? My player of the week was Tesho Akintele because he scored a goal and got an assist in the game against Toronto. And I will always shadow Canadians, 
even if it's bullying Canadian teams. Um, <laughs> but let's wrap it up. Games to watch. Drew, you still haven't done yours, so hopefully you pick yours very quickly. Uh, I will go first because I just spoke about a Canadian team, and I'm picking a Canadian team again with Toronto FC against Cincinnati in the battle of the bottom of the East. So uh, the main reason I'm picking this is if Toronto lose, I will personally walk to Orlando, uh, Florida and fire Chris Armas myself because, <laughs> frankly... There's no world where we should lose this game, but somehow we will manage to. Uh, but again, we're not talking about Toronto FC today. Josh, what is your game to watch? Yeah, after I did a quick scan of which games are going on this weekend, I wanted, I actually wanted to pick the Toronto FC Cincinnati <laughs> game for the exact same reason, just because they're both the worst teams in the East right now, um, down there with Chicago. Uh, but no, I'm going with uh, New York City FC, DC United. I'm just really intrigued to see these two teams clash with each other. I believe they played each other opening week or second week, uh, but that was, you know, that was a while ago. It was before teams started to really figure themselves out, um, which teams are still doing. But either way, uh, I think DC is in the process of turning a corner, especially after those last couple wins against Miami. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do against what I think is one of the better teams in the East in NYCFC. So I think that'll be really interesting. And, you know, the added wrinkle, I think, for every team this week is we've got everybody's playing games midweek, whether it's tonight or Wednesday night. Um, So that'll be interesting to see how teams manage rotation and um, all those sorts of um, areas of concern. Drew, what is your game to watch this weekend? Yeah, I I didn't fill it out like Connor said, but I just came up with one. Um, It is... Tomorrow night, Wednesday night, um, if I have my dates right, yeah, uh, Sporting Kansas City in the Colorado Rapids, uh, two of the top teams in the Western Conference. Sporting Kansas City has gone two games, I think, without winning. Yeah, they lost to Portland and then drew to Austin, and Colorado's kind of quietly crept up there. I'm trying to pull up their more more recent results. Um, But yeah, I think exciting time exciting game battle of the two of the better sides in the western conference i'm really excited to see how that goes to see if colorado can kind of wake some people up going i don't know if it's at kansas city or where it is but hopefully to oh man oh just gosh ignore I picked all the, the weekend constantly oh, because this podcast won't be up before wednesday night uh, oh man so okay well look at saturday quickly or friday look at saturday what should i let's see let's see let's see let's see what game after Saturday? Let's see here. What do we got on Friday or Saturday? Friday or Saturday? Oh, uh, Sporting Kansas City and LAFC. I think that was my backup game, to be quite honest with you. Yes, yeah, Sporting Kansas City and LAFC on Saturday. Um, we talked about LAFC. I think eventually they're going to have to start getting some points, and they looked pretty good in the first little bit last game, but they're going to have to get it done in a really hostile environment against a good team against SKC. So my game, my official game to watch this week, Sporting Kansas City against LAFC. All right. Surprised neither of you picked uh, Philly against Columbus, but, you know, here we are. Um, I think that's... We're trying to be hipsters. No, no, that's tomorrow. I'm stupid. It's... I scrolled up. Whoops. I'm dumb. Uh, Ignore everything I just said, but Drew, uh, I don't think anybody (laughs) else has anything else to add, so it's going to be a shorter than usual episode because we're all dead. Um, But, Drew, why don't you... Take us out and promo our favorite FC Dallas Central defender making his start and his interview. 
Yes. Oh my gosh, we didn't talk about it. Our best friend and Kosi Tafara started for FC best Dallas. Best friend's a stretch, but sure. Best friend, hey, best friend, him and Aubrey Bledsoe are our best friends on the podcast. So when Kosi Tafara got his first start with FC Dallas, super excited to see that. And I saw him on the MLS Instagram page today. It was awesome. So when Kosi's getting the love the man earned. So when Kosi Tafara, reason we're talking about him, please go back to our podcast as we talk about um, the Black Players for Change Coalition um, with Juneteenth being not that long ago. Super always relevant podcast that we want to continue to plug. Really important stuff. We talk about soccer and a lot more important issues. So please, 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 please go listen to that and Kosi Tafara podcast. If you have, do it again. It's important. If you haven't already, listen to it. It's really good stuff. And um, as always, please visit the website at MLSMultiplex.com as writers continue to crank out really good coverage of MLS, NWSL, U.S. soccer in this wild summer of soccer. Um, and visit the website on Twitter at MLS Multiplex to see stories as they get posted on social media. And follow us on social media to hear our rants about the Atlanta Hawks, soccer, and hockey as Stanley Cup playoffs are going on. Um, at Myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Bolin, and Connor at CWG Somerville. So please feel free to give us a follow on Twitter. Visit the website. Listen to Akosi's podcast. And thank you guys again so much for listening. Please leave a review on the podcast. We love hearing ways we can get better. And thank you again so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.